Welcome to Mother Talks, a weekly podcast of open, real, heartfelt conversations about mothering that cover a range of topics including parenting, healing, spirituality, relationships, creative expression, nourishment, business, sexuality, childbirth, and more. I'm so glad you're here. I am your host, Rachel Alaya. If you'd like to learn more about me and the work I offer, you can head on over to my website at rachelalaya.love. That's R-A-C-H-A-E-L-A-L-A-I-A dot love. So go ahead, cozy up, and join me and my guest for this week's episode of Mother Talks available on all the main podcast platforms. Hello, friends. We're back with another episode, episode number 18 now of Mother Talks podcast with me, Rachel Alaya. And I'm so glad that you've made your way here today. Thanks for dropping in with me, and mm, I'm just very grateful. So today's podcast features our guest, Rhoda Lazo Tadoran. I'm going to introduce her and also share a little bit about the show that's ahead. So Rhoda is a guardian of transitions, transformations, and transmutations. She's a Reiki practitioner trained in advanced breathwork therapy, and she continues to explore various methods of healing and self-mastery in order to co-create transformation with others. Besides facilitating workshops for amazing communities like Spirit Weavers, Soho House Malibu, House of Intuition, she also hosts space for group and individual Reiki-infused cathartic breathwork sessions, Kundalini dance workshops, and a variety of community circles in Salt Lake City, Utah. She is quite the multi-passionate and creative mama. So she also has an NFT fine art curation project with her partner. She's an artist, a podcaster, a published author, a homeschooling mama, and a happy wife. You can check out her children's book, The Rainbow Seed, on Amazon. And you can check out her website at Awake tribe.com. She's also found on Instagram at Awake the Tribe. Rhoda and I danced through a beautiful conversation around mothering and we kept coming back to the symbol of the seed and knowing what it is in terms of the conditions that we need to thrive as mothers. We talked about the resourcefulness of mothering and approaching, approaching our work with a loose grip and a sense of trust in God and nature's intelligence. We 
talked about rooting into abundance and what that means, what safeness means, and walking the fine line between being in the world but not of it. So I hope you enjoy our conversation and I am, as usual, open to feedback if you want to share. I feel really excited to speak mother to mother. I think it's really important and I love that you're doing this. Mm, yeah. Yes. Story medicine is so powerful, I think. And being able to speak what's, what's real, you know, mm-hmm. and to name name the things going on to call a thing a thing, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's something there, I think. So thanks for, for being here. Thanks for jamming. Yeah. My pleasure. I love that you call it story medicine too. Mm, Yes. It really is. Yeah. There's a, a quote that I always go back to in my work and teaching and just in my own life. Um, That's a quote from the poet Muriel Rukeyser. I hope I say that right. Um, And she said, the universe is made of stories, not atoms. I love that. And I think of like meaning, like the word Mm -hmm. meaning comes from the same root as meninges or like the connective Tissues. tissue yeah. right of reality and so like really like the stories that we exist within and the stories that we give power to and the stories that we allow inform our movements like they're everything really mm-hmm. and The story of mothering is one that has captivated me and like invited me into just like renegotiating those connections and thinking about like what what is the story that I want to be living into as a mama? And I think there's so much power in dropping in and asking ourselves those questions and getting really intentional and really like, I don't know, almost like shamanic with it, you know, where we can, we can really claim the power that's in our ability to reclaim our stories to own our stories but then also to like shift and rewrite our stories absolutely yeah I love that the stories can be changed and yes we can change our past and our future by what we tell now Mm. and uh, my son and I have this Thing that we do we're, whenever we're in the car we listen to stories um there's a podcast that we listen to and it's just all stories from all around the world and we always refer to it like in our daily life when something happens he says mama it's just like you know that story with the dragon or whatever <laughs> and it's there's these reference points that we can all relate to that we can all infuse ourselves into And in that way, it is healing because we can connect 
into these different characters in a way that is safe for children and grownups too, I guess, um, that informs us of what's going on now. So maybe the danger isn't a literal dragon, but it sure feels like that right now. Yeah. Yeah. I So a few years ago, I started actually before I became a mama and I finished the program like in my first year of motherhood, I was teaching and facilitating a program on the book, Women Who Run With the Wolves, which is a collection of stories and fairy tales. And I got to really see like very firsthand the power of using story to navigate our own inner experience Mm -hmm. and our own like psycho somatic magical you know experience of life you know and I I've thought about this a lot like because I've studied depth psychology and storytelling and mythology and the stories that were like key and critical to our ancestors and how they passed them down as like this like pearl or gem of wisdom Mm -hmm. that carried through the ages something for us. And I think there's something about stories that they like pierce our most inner places. Yes. And the sort of the metaphors and the the symbology of stories like you were just saying about the dragon like it might it might not be a dragon but it it's like that that archetype you know like Mm -hmm. is somehow present in our experience still like this idea of this fierce otherworldly you know danger that um that we all have in all of our lives Right. I'm curious, like as a mama, what would be like one of your sort of primary or core symbols in your story? Yeah, the dragon actually comes up quite a bit. Mm. Um, My son was born on the year of the dragon and for him – the dragon, he's always asking me like, Mama, how come all the dragons in this, in all these stories are to be slain? Like, how come it's the bad dragon? And before he was even born, I wrote a little story um, from my niece who was five at the time. And it was about this friendly dragon who just wanted to be read to. Um, so it's this perception. I, I like the idea that there's this drag, a perception of a dragon, but really, how can we be friendly with a dragon? How can we see beyond our fear and connect with these deep, scary things that are seemingly outside of us and connect to that and befriend it and embody it even? 
and see how we can transcend all those difficult feelings of fear and the perception of safety Mm. and the need for it and like a primal need what how can we operate beyond that and how can we transcend this scary thing and transmute it into something more powerful within us how can Mm. we be the dragon I know you wrote a book too, right? Yeah, I wrote it for my son, and I would we'd tell stories all the time, more so when he was younger. He's ten now, but um, every bed night bedtime story was just orally told. We would just make it up. My husband and I would both do that. And one night I wrote the story, The Rainbow Seed, where I told it to him. And the next morning I thought, hmm, that's actually a pretty good story, I think. So I wrote it down. And it took a couple years for me to actually publish it. But, yeah, I'm pretty happy. And he's really excited. And he sees it on Amazon. He's like, Mama, your book. <laughs> you wrote for me. <laughs> Aww, so, I love that. Yeah. Well, as I was sitting here, like, asking you the question of what's your mama symbol, mm-hmm. and the first thing that came to my mind for me was a seed. Wow. So I love Tell that. Tell me about that. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I feel like I've been working with the symbol or the metaphor for um, – like cultivating in the land. Um, That's like what I do in my day-to-day most of the day is I spend my time here on the land where we live and um, I grow things and I make medicine from plants and um, I feel very like intimately connected to the land here. And the... Just the, like, intimate ability to, like, observe and be part of the plant life cycle Mm -hmm. that's, like, constantly in motion, evolution process around us. Right. I feel like is is such a deep metaphor for, for me and my life where I live. The seasons are very... Uh, extreme and stark we have just we have like just about two seasons we have rainy season and we have dry season (laughs) and when it's dry it doesn't rain for six months and when Mm -hmm. it rains it rains every single day wow and we just went through like the passage from one season to another where like quite literally within two weeks And just a couple rains, the ground and the plants around us go from everything being super dry and parched and like even just the ground, the ground is clay soil. So there's like big, almost like cracks and crevices Mm -hmm. in the earth to now 
it's just lush and green and even like the texture of the air is different and the, the light feels different. Like I was, mm-hmm. I was noting or telling my husband the other day, like, it's just so amazing to me how different it feels just from two weeks ago till now. Like I just, yeah. I feel like a different person, you know? And so I think, yeah, I think this, this metaphor of the seed or the symbol of the seed, like, you know, the seed is not the tree or it's not the plant, but there's like the potential of that thing within it. And it requires care and it requires attention and it requires certain conditions for it to be able to grow and to flourish. And I think there was like something that was coming up for me as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk with you today about, because this is something that I've been thinking a lot about is like, what are the conditions that are supportive and um, ideal for being a mama and being able to do our work well? You know, and I feel like we live in a world that's like pretty anti-life, you know, pretty anti-family, pretty anti-mama, motherhood. Anti-seed. Anti-seed, for sure. At least the natural kind. Right? Goodness. And so it takes like a certain amount of like intentionality to really – figure out like what it is we need you know like as a new mama for me that was like really hard that was really hard for me I don't think I even knew what I needed at that point right so it was like this whole process of like okay well clearly I'm not getting something that I need because something feels off you know (laughs) the seed is not being nourished in a way that it needs to be and yet what is it I don't know I can't quite like put my finger on it you know Mm -hmm. and it's almost like sometimes in our lives we have to like I don't know for better or worse sometimes we learn by way of not (laughs) or doing the thing that doesn't work in order Mm -hmm. to figure out what does work right yeah What do you feel like for you is the main things that are, you know, I think of like almost the nutrition label of mothering, like, okay, we need this and this (laughs) in order for it to, yeah, (laughs) the ingredient list, like a tablespoon of this and a cup of that. (laughs) I wish it was that easy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think that's what we clicked clearly learn quickly as a mother that you just have to try whatever it is that you that is in front of you that you have to work with and you Mm. just keep trying and trying different things and if it doesn't work especially for people who are healing from their own childhood and from not having the models I guess not seeing for me now, it's looking at nature. So if we look at the seed as a symbol, as a metaphor, we might look at the wild 
and see like, okay, this plant, I want it to thrive in my garden. How does it thrive in the natural world, in the wild? And you quickly see that it it does need those conditions that are supportive, but also like it's a kind of a hands-off approach sometimes like there's a there's an internal thing that happens I think for me I feel it in the womb or like my solar plexus where it's like a fine balance and it it happens in my work too as a breathwork facilitator like the, the things that I have to tune in to that true essential self within me to kind of know because my mind is not going to know my heart does know but it's also very confused at times because of you know programming or whatever and just plain stress and emotion all the things that are happening in my body that's not always informative so it's okay i do have a quite i do have an answer the main ingredient is taking a pause and breathing very uh very breathwork facilitator of me to say that but yes to take a pause and just drop in into the moment and to assess because often mother life is so fast and there's just so much going on and we're at the helm and there isn't our environment is not supportive of that pause. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes a seed, like that's, we don't need, the seed doesn't need to get poked and prodded and asked what it needs all the time or, you know, poured 10 different things on it to make sure that it thrives, the vitamins or whatever and constant water sometimes it just needs to be left alone Mm. yes I really appreciate that perspective Rhoda thank you for bringing that forward I I feel like in my second round of mothering Um, my youngest is now a year and a half almost, and it's taken on a completely different, um, flavor this time. And I think that's one of, one of my greatest learnings has been in like trusting a little bit more, trusting that, that I know what I'm doing, even when I don't have to like think about white knuckling my way through it, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, that absolutely makes sense. You know, I, I, um, last week in the podcast, I had my friend Ashley on and we had a, a long conversation about time and, our sort of big nugget of wisdom that came out of that conversation was exactly what you said about (laughs) pausing and breathing. Yeah. 
that when we are able to just be really present and pause in the moment and use the breath to actually expand time, mm-hmm. like suddenly we have more options available to us. It's so true. And it's not even just in the hard moments. Like even in the most blissful moments, we can expand with the breath and take in more of that goodness and appreciate and be grateful for it. Yeah, because it's so easy to have those like sweet, juicy, just deeply loving moments slip out of our fingers mm-hmm. when we try to I think of almost like the sand in our hands you know like we, if we grip too tightly it like falls out between our fingers yes. right and so like having that like relaxed open palm that mm-hmm. we can hold things with and we can hold these moments of you know, delight and joy and uh, gratitude, you know. And there was something that I I was, like, flipping through your Instagram, and I found a post that you shared. I think it was Mother's Day last year. Mm-hmm. And you said... For Mother's Day, my wish is for conscious mothers to be honored, heard, believed, and protected. We are intuitive, we are portals, and we know what's best for ourselves and our own kids, which may look different to others, especially to those who have not had or raised children or those deeply entrenched in mainstream systems. I wish that people would see our humanity and drop the labels, drop the judgments, and connect heart to heart, have an actual conversation. It's okay to ask, not be, not to be argumentative, but to actually connect on a human level. It's not okay to make assumptions and advise that was not requested is definitely not welcome. <laughs> but I think there's something like in what you said around like knowing, like having this deep knowing and allowing ourselves to have the spaciousness to trust that knowing. It's like that seed, like knowing and trusting that the seed, when you offer it just the kind of most basic and simple conditions for it to grow, like it already knows what to do. Right. You know, and... The other thing about the seed, too, is the first thing that grows, isn't it? It's not it rising up towards the sun. It's actually root, it roots down yeah. first, right? Yeah. And so I often think about that. Like, what am I rooting into? And what am I rooted to? And and, and that is both, like, the, the values and the things that really matter to me and also like the roots are how the seed gets nourishment too yes right and so how am I 
feeling nourished or undernourished or what is nourishing me. And that takes a deep level of like knowing ourselves. Yes. That's why I always say that parenting is like the steepest but fastest way to enlightenment. (laughs) Because you quickly learn that you have to navigate this internal environment and to figure it out quickly. Otherwise, you're going to be nurturing your child with the same conditions that you grew up in, that you were not happy in, that you didn't thrive in. So you have to quickly make those changes. At least be present to them and know that they're at play. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the roots because that is so important. The conditions that that seed is growing in. We have the ability to make moves. Thankfully, as a human being, we can move around the earth. We can separate from relationships that aren't nurturing. And we can find the right conditions for us. And in the same token, our children have that ability too. And we have to be okay with that. (laughs) To let them inform us when they're old enough. The things that they need to thrive. Mm. And that we don't always know what's best as well for our children at a certain point, you know. I know for me, my son has always taught me that he very much knows what he wants and needs. (laughs) Very uh, strong-willed in that way. But even just last night, so we do this game in the car where we say a word and the next person says another word that is starting with the last letter of the previous word. We um, just go around in circles. And it's a, I don't know, it's just a game that we made up, but it's teaching my son how to spell and sound out words and stuff like that. And I was doing this very intrusive mothering thing where I would like, like if the word ended in L, I would go la 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 la, you know, like just, I don't know, I guess inform him that it's a letter L and it makes the L sound. And he was so frustrated. He's like, can you not do that? It's really annoying. And I, it's not that. I have to remember that the way that he's telling me is out of a frustration that he knows what that is and I'm belittling him Mm. by enforcing that. And his dad jumped in and said, you know, don't talk to your mother that way. Can you say it in another way? And But I totally understand, you know, it's a dynamic that we have. I only have one, so I know that that's our dynamic. It's something that we've been working on for years. Mm -hmm. And if I had another one or a different, there would be a different dynamic. So 
So there's all these things that mothers have to keep in mind and have different balls up in the air while doing everything day to day as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's a thread that I'm like picking up on that has to do with a kind of like resourcefulness Hmm. of time, of energy, of resources, of whatever, whatever like input, I suppose, that I notice with mamas, we by almost by necessity really like have to learn how to make do or create with what we're given you know and I this morning I was listening to I don't know if you're familiar with the um I think it's called medicine stories podcast I think that's what it's called um Mm. with Amber Magnolia Hill and yes and um she'll be on actually in on the podcast in a couple weeks but her conversation she was having with um, an, a man who has the account called The Mineral Shaman on Instagram. I don't know if you follow him or have found him, but he's kind of a new account. But his take on minerals and health um, comes from sort of a root cause protocol background, but he did quite a lot of work in plant medicine and it's just really interesting his take on the whole thing and their conversation was part of it was talking about like how mothers create life within them mm-hmm. and you know they make a whole baby in their bodies And at different points along the gestation, there's like a download of certain minerals that happen from the mother to the baby. Wow. And if the mother is like already depleted, for instance, if she doesn't Mm -hmm. have a certain reserve of copper or um, magnesium or calcium or some of these like main building blocks of life you know it can be um can have an impact you know on both the mama and the baby yeah and yet there's almost this this deep resourcefulness that still exists right where it's like the baby is it's like that the idea of the hands-off approach, right? Like you're not like when you're pregnant, you're not thinking about, oh, I had to like make an eyeball today or like work on <laughs> yeah. that femur bone. You know, it's not a conscious <laughs> process. You know, it's we we giggle about it, but it's almost like, well, we expect to have such a hands-on practice or process yeah. with all the other things we do in our lives. Mm-hmm. And yet, I have found in my own mothering journey this deep, almost like surrender to God's intelligence and also this 
knowing that like there is enough and there will be there will be a way made even if it even if my little mind and my heart can't quite figure it out or can't quite like understand how it's gonna work you know yeah like I don't know exactly how a baby is formed in my womb but I've made two already in there. (laughs) So I don't necessarily have to know exactly how I'm going to make this work, you know, in my life outside the womb. (laughs) Right. But I can trust that there is an intelligence and that intelligence has this deep resourcefulness. Mm -hmm. And power. Yes. When I when I talk about taking a breath, you know, the one thing that I like to get across when I do my breath work workshops is that you're we're not just breathing in oxygen, it's life force energy. And it's mm. this underlying deep powerful force within all of us. And even though a mother might be eating you know, like McDonald's every day while she's pregnant, that baby's still being born, like that baby's still forming. And it might not have the ideal conditions, but there is this thriving need to survive and to grow and live. And, you know, going back to the seed, you throw a seed in an empty lot, there's enough rain that seed will grow like there is just this deep powerful force a current within all of us god you know this forceful energy powerful and when we can internally tune into that resource and kind of surrender to that And surrendering is not giving up or, you know, like handing your power over. It's more just like letting that internal wisdom turn on and take over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it feels like to me too that there's – within the sort of dominant overculture and the social order that we're most of us are socialized into mm-hmm. there's like this almost like angsty underlying belief that like nature gets it wrong you know that like god yeah. makes these horrible mistakes right and so we have to like oh no i have to like take take this over because clearly I am much more intelligent. Yeah. Right. And gosh, when I sit with that and I think about it and I look at the world and I think about all of the messes that we've caused Mm -hmm. and all the messes that we're in, that kind of feels like an one of the underlying themes in like all of the things. Yeah. 
It's a lack of connection to that, to Mother Earth, to that power, whatever you want to call it, God. Yeah, it's that divinity that we are wanting to take on for ourselves. Like, you know, I'm the one that is powerful, all powerful and knowing everything and it's almost like a if we want to use like biblical terms like blasphemous <laughs> that's what it feels like to me yeah it does like thinking about the human beings who like want to just bypass god altogether and right <sighs> crack the code of life and that's a hard life yeah oh yeah it's a hard life to all that like even if you just say like as a mother to put all that on you totally. you have to do everything I know I know I do it it's like an automatic mode because of my programming but like I have to do everything and I have to know everything and I have to research everything and it's just taking that moment, that pause and taking a breath and remembering that that breath is expansive, that it's connected to that life force energy, that I am supported by that life force energy and then I don't have to know everything. I don't have yeah. to do everything. Yeah. I know when we hopped on the call, there was like this theme or, you know, word that came up around exhaustion. Yeah. And I think that there's something to be said around that dynamic of like being able to know what, what is ours to take on and do yeah. and be responsible for and what is not you know and that dance that we do where we like inevitably sway to one side or the other a little bit too much yeah. <laughs> and then we figure out oh my goodness I feel like I'm carrying a lot right now and then yeah. ah yes that's because I am I'm expecting a, like a little too much from yeah. myself you know mm -hmm. and I've talked about on this podcast before how the earth has actually helped mother my kids in many ways because we spend a lot of our time outside mm -hmm. very yeah. intentionally and I don't you know, I'm like thinking back to like when my first son was really little, we lived in an apartment in the city and like doing all the Pinterest boards of like all the activities that we could be doing and goodness, how exhausting, you know, yeah. now it's just like, okay, go outside. There's a muddy puddle, like figure it out. You know? <laughs> so true. And when you are in a city, you have all these toys and they always want more and more and more. 
that you take them hiking or to a park and they find a stick and they will play with that stick for hours and it'll be their best friend. Totally. I think about this too, like as new moms, we're like given all these messages of like, oh, you need this and you need that and this gadget and that thingy and this whatever it is. And I remember for my second baby, I was like, I don't, I don't need any of that stuff. Yeah, it's what's coming up for me is because we're not in community, we don't mm-hmm. see that, you know, we're in our little bubbles in our homes or apartments. And it's just, we don't see that we don't need that giant crib or whatever, and that it's okay to co-sleep maybe and all these things that we in this society we in western society we don't know like when I'm sure this is an occurrence for a lot of mothers in the western world you're handed that baby and you're like oh man there's no instructions I'm just supposed to go home with this thing that's like the most precious thing in the world right now to me and how like how do I even do basic things like I remember um, when my son was six months old my mother passed away and we moved to Los Angeles from Ohio and my husband was still in Ohio packing up and all that and I had no help, basically. And I remember thinking, like, how am I going to shower? Like, I can't just leave my baby. And I would comb through all these message boards of, like, what women did. And it was just, like, that's what we have to do. We have to, like, comb through all these message boards, ask a question, maybe get 20 different answers that may or may not help us at all. Yeah. And yeah, whereas like if we lived in community, we would see before we even gave birth how a mother would take care of her child, of herself and the rest of her family. And it would be, it would be modeled for us. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to resources, <laughs> right, and the right conditions, it, it seems unnatural to me to live in this way where we're in our separate bubbles and we connect every now and then online. Mm. Mm. I just came back from the Spirit Weavers gathering. Mm. And that's actually where I met Amber briefly. Um long time ago and it's just a community that I love because of that one week like five days where I can see that like I can see where my body loves to be in nature in community singing songs with other women connecting just pure love and support yeah It's so hard being in this Western world environment as a mother, as a woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that isolation piece I think is really big. 
and it's not even like like my brain my mind wants to go to like the little minutiae or details of like how would it work and blah 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 but it's like it kind of just things just unfold naturally and take care of themselves yeah and there's also like I guess I'll call myself out a little bit on it too that when I'm for instance alone with my kids and something like a crisis happens or you know, big brother pushes little brother over, or I don't know, you can think of any number of different things happen. Like I find my response can be quite different than if I was with other people in community, Mm -hmm. like engaged in having other people there. Yeah. And there's this, like, almost, like, beautiful invitation to greater integrity and accountability Mm -hmm. where when other people are around, you, like, can – I don't know how to describe it other than, like, you can see more of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like more of yourself is called into the space. You know, and there was something that you said about the dragon symbol that I almost like I kind of want to circle back to and it has to do mm-hmm. with safety. Yeah, big word these last couple of years, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Goodness, it's become quite the loaded (laughs) word on a number of ways, right? Yeah. I think about it, I think about safety a lot, but not like, I don't know, not in the way that most of the world does, I think. (laughs) Yeah. But because I have made like learning about and studying and implementing and teaching about the body and trauma so centrally in my life. The idea and this concept of safeness is talked about so much in those spaces and in like attachment theory and parenting Mm -hmm. and And yet, when you start to, like, really dissect it and you start to, like, sit with it, I guess I'll I'll just speak for myself. When I have sat with it long enough, you know, you realize that most of our perception of safeness is a bit of an illusion. Mm-hmm. And there's a quote that I have come back to from Gabor Mate, where he says, mm. 
that safety isn't the absence of threat. It's the presence of connection. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. When you were talking about the seed and ideal conditions and throughout our conversation, the word presence keeps coming up. And for me, it's that idea that the seed feels safe when there's a presence there, whether it just be Mother Earth, you know, holding it and the sun shining and rain every now and then, um, or the child that knows that mother and father are there. And there is no need for them to handle everything because there is this presence that will allow them to grow, like given the space to grow. Yeah. And I think about that word safety and how it's come up and it breaks my heart when I see kids who are so afraid um, because they've been told that, you know, the world is a scary place, that there's all these bacteria and, you know, viruses in the air and they can't breathe them and it's, they can't connect with other people. Because they might get sick and they might get infected and, you know, it's not safe. It's like a go-to phrase for people. And I know I say it too, you know, like, we can't do that because it's not safe. You know, well, what, what does that actually mean? How do we know it's not safe? Like, and it's, it goes back to that dragon, like, how do we know that that dragon is actually menacing? Like, how do we know that that dragon is out to harm us? And we're learning so much. We know so little about the world. Yeah. And when we look at like the old, like old, old teachings, thousands of like, there's, you know, records of monks and old wise shamans and teachers who know about the world and our universe and different planets without a telescope or like they can describe in detail what an atom is without knowing without a microscope like you they just know because it's an internal resource it's an internal truth that they're tapped into that we have access to. And I think that's the fountain of safety, you know, Mm. that we are a child of the universe. And we have access to that safety and that protection. Yeah. Yeah. This idea too of where we are resourcing our sense of power and belonging and safeness. It feels like the world has forgotten how to root into the part of our experience that's eternal and all-knowing. 
mm-hmm. and is instead rooted in the constantly changing and shifting tides and has forgotten the other part. (laughs) And I keep coming back myself to this remembrance of like, okay, there's a part of me that's never changing. There's a part of me that's eternal. Mm -hmm. It's connected to something much greater than even just the eternal part of me, you know, the source of all of that. And when I can continue to maintain and have a practice of coming back to that part, that eternal part of me regularly, and also connecting to the source of all eternal, as well as be able to be present with the ever-changing material existence of which I am also a part. Mm -hmm. But know that my purpose almost is to be willing and available to be with whatever arises in the material world and not like push it away or grasp onto it, right? This is almost like the great teachings of the masters right is like can you also be with that Mm -hmm. knowing that you are eternal but you're also here in this human body that you know sweats and bleeds and poops and pees you know (laughs) and like you gotta eat you gotta do the things to make life happen you know? Right. Yeah. And yet there's this unseen experience as well. And in my, my journeys as a mama, I find the, the union or like the bridging of those two worlds is like where my work is most often at. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm finding the same as well. Right? Like when you're so hyper-focused on the material parts of existence. Right. And forget that there's like this magical unseen experience that's like weaving it all together. Yeah. It can feel very meaningless. Yeah. Right? It can feel very, very profane and mundane. So true. An interesting thing happened to me. So when I was um, in living in Australia, I started this nonprofit with a couple of friends, and we were doing work in the Solomon Islands. And the work was providing the school with the things that they need. They They needed to rebuild buildings. They needed materials they had like no crayons like these poor little kids were sitting literally on rocks um so we worked and did that provided that but while I was there I couldn't enjoy it because I got malaria and 
it was such like an existential crisis for me that I didn't feel good anymore in my body. And there was this strange thing that happened. Like I just needed to get out of there so quick (laughs) and things don't happen quick in the islands. And so like there was one day where I spent 12 hours on a boat just waiting for it to leave and there was no escape. And so there's this there's this great need for me to be in luxury. And when I finally landed back in Australia, a friend of mine took me in and she lived in this pretty, um, it was a city, it was Brisbane, and she lived near like the shopping area and there was like restaurants. And I just went nuts. Like I bought all kinds of things. I just wanted to feel luxury. I took like three showers a day, baths, you know, like whatever I could to feel good in my body. And I find that there's this thing within me where, you know, like logically I want to sacrifice and like do all these things to help people. Like that's my number one thing that I feel like I should do or what I thought at the time. And then there's this internal feeling of wanting to feel nurtured and experience luxury and experience good food. And it's this bridging of those two worlds I find that I'm constantly navigating through. Like even just as a mother, I want to do everything. Like I want, I actually really want to be superwoman. That was like, when you talk about symbols, that was my symbol growing up. Like Wonder Woman was my thing. I had my Wonder Woman underoos and I just like wanted to be her. And that keeps coming up throughout my life. And there's this movement like I I say now, having gone through my journey, that our body is a portal, that our body is a portal for the divine. Like mm-hmm. we are meant to be nurtured and feel luxurious and embody that, like all the abundance and luxury and good feeling that Mother Earth has to offer. And at the same time, you know, going back to the seed analogy, we are meant to root in that abundance and good feeling and like all the things that are just in front of us. And at the same time, channel in that divine source, truth, whatever you want to call it, that golden thread. And it's meant to be actualized into the to the world. It's like a a mixing of the two within us. Mm. So there's this weird thing that happens where you know it's like a pendulum, <laughs> where you experience one thing and then you go to the other and eventually find balance. So that's I find that that is my purpose. That's my purpose is to like walk that very fine line of being in the world 
but not of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. My mind goes a lot of places, but I keep thinking about where we live here. I live in a tiny home and we have lots of outside space, but you know, we're fairly, it's the size of a trailer, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, we have like compost toilet and, um, when we first got here, we didn't have any electricity at all. We had like a cooler with an ice, you know, a block of ice that I went and got, got bought every few days. And that was our fridge. And, um, it, you know, it worked. We lived that way. It was fine. Um, but over time, slowly, we've, like, added on different things and, you know, built – we, like, poured a concrete slab floor so that we're not just, like, walking on the dirt anymore. And we, um, you know, have done certain things to, like, make it comfortable, mm-hmm. like a comfortable home for us. And the other day I went to visit my comadre, which is the um, godmother of my son. And I stayed in her guest room and she had these sheets that were like (laughs) so amazing. (laughs) And I asked her afterwards, I was like, what? are these sheets like they're like sleeping on a cloud can you please tell me where you got them and so I like went and bought these sheets and I don't think I've ever spent so much money on sheets in my life but I remember going and being like you know what like I am really excited to get these nice they were like bamboo sheets And I have, like, maybe three sets of sheets now for our bed, but I literally will just, like, strip the bed, wash the sheets, and put them back on the bed because (laughs) I love them so much. I'll just, like, not have sheets for a couple hours during the day. But all that to say, it's, like, if we can find those, like, little things in our lives Mm -hmm. that – can allow us to like feel um, a sense of comfort and feel like we're being taken care of. You know, and it for me, it feels like it doesn't even need to be like a big to do. But if I have my like soft sheet. And, you know, I have, you know, certain like rhythms and and anchors throughout my day and throughout my week that I can rely on or I can anchor into. Like for, for me as a mama, I feel like I can show up so much better in my life mm-hmm. and do what needs to get done and 
take care of what needs to get taken care of and feel like I have this, yeah, like soft bed that I can lean on and come back to. Yeah, it's so important to find those little things. And it's where we put our attention, right? Like money is just energy. If we are, you know, you can spend a lot on sheets, but it's improving your life. It's improving the quality of your sleep and your the way that you feel. And that is so necessary as a mother, especially, to finding those little comforts. And then... In the same breath, we can just like throw money, like if you can walk out the door, especially if you live in the city and you can spend a hundred dollars and not even like remember what you bought, you know, it's like, it's where we put our energy and the ideal conditions that we were talking about earlier and where we want to put that energy to make that nurture us ourselves yeah 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 that dance that dance (laughs) I'm reminded every day it's like a almost like a process of even just coming back to the very beginning of our conversation where you said you just, you try it out, you see what works and you see what doesn't work and you mm-hmm. course correct as you go. And, you know, you get curious and willing to, to course correct and to figure it out and to be humbled and to figure out what, you know, what is your little thing that you know that you need and what are the things that, you know, are a little bit maybe secondary. Like, eh, that would be nice, but I'm not, you know, a stickler for X, Y, or Z, right? Whatever yeah. that is. Right. Um, and the beauty of being able to go on a journey to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Because hmm. what's important now to us might not be that important later on true that yeah true that Mm. well thank you Rhoda thank you for having this conversation with me and for sharing your heart and yourself and your story and thanks for being here thank you so much same to you I feel really honored and blessed I want to just allow you to share a little bit about how folks can find you um, if it's on the socials or what you have going on. Sure. So I um, am most active on Instagram at Awake the Tribe. And I do a monthly breathwork workshop, um, cathartic breathwork that's Reiki infused every last Saturday of the month in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, and I do a lot of different things too. <laughs> um, I have an NFT 
um, website that is selling NFTs and also curating them. So if you're an artist, you can fill out the form to reach out to me and be a part of the collective. Um, you can find my book that's also linked on my Instagram, um, on Amazon. And yeah, I really would love to connect with anyone listening. And yeah, I welcome anyone reaching out. Hey friend, thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Mother Talks. I appreciate if you could drop us a thoughtful review from whatever platform you're tuning into the podcast. It really helps us to reach more listeners just like you. Finally, I'll close by sharing that I am honored to mentor, support, teach, and companion mamas and creative women on a mission to heal their legacy through bespoke coaching, somatic education, nervous system nourishment, movement classes, spiritual guidance, online courses, and group work facilitation. Again, you can visit my website at rachelalaya.love for more details. Have a beautiful day.